0: Amen. Thank you, Jim. Well, if you can open your Bibles again to um, Luke chapter 13. And um, we've entitled our messages Passion and Purpose. Because um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to the cross. Nothing's going to stop him. He set his face towards Jerusalem. And as he's making his way towards Jerusalem, he's using every opportunity to teach about himself, to teach about the kingdom of God. And as he's making his way to Jerusalem, um, he's find himself in a place where people want to know how to get to the kingdom of God, how to get to heaven. You know, I'm so happy... This morning that so many of you have made the decision and the choice to be here this morning. Because being here this morning means you're giving yourself the opportunity to hear about what God wants you to know about. It's so wonderful that so many have made the, the journey here today. And during one of Jesus's teaching sessions, somebody was concerned about... How many were going to be saved? Someone was concerned about how they could enter the kingdom of God. Someone had a question about heaven. Not a question about earth, but a question about heaven. And it's so wonderful when people have these questions. So what was this question? Well, three things I want to say. The first thing I want to say, it was a serious question. This person had to ask. And this serious question was this. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? That was the serious question. Are only a few people going to be saved? You know, we look over our history in England... There's a period called the Dark Ages, ranging around about 400 to about 1100 A.D. It's called the Dark Ages, and historians don't know much about what took place in the Dark Ages. But one thing we do know, that it was the Dark Ages, even in the church, and in the church, Catholic priests or Roman Catholic priests didn't believe the Bible. And in those days, not only didn't they believe the Bible, but they made sure that the people who came to their churches did not understand or did not believe the Bible themselves. In fact, the Bible back then was written in Latin. And the people of the day couldn't even read English. And it was called the Dark Ages because the way of salvation was blocked, was obscured. No one knew how to get To the kingdom of God. But the tide did change over the years, and great men rose up. Men like John and Charles Wesley, men like Jonathan Edwards, men like George Whitfield. These men rose up, someone like George Whitfield. In the 1700s, he used to preach to over 30,000 people in the open air. Not only in this country, but he went over to America and he preached to crowds over in the States. In fact, America put their faith in God down to men like George Whitfield. Great men began to show very clearly the way of salvation. They began to preach the cross and men and women for the first time understood how to get to the kingdom of God but it seems to me that today we are back living in the dark ages seems to me and I say this with a very heavy heart that many of our pulpits, many of our churches have men who do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their God is their stomachs. Their glory is in their shame. They have their mind set on earthly things and not on heavenly things. In fact, many churches do not hold to the truth of God's word, but rather they try to twist it to fit their own lifestyle. And they try to twist it to fit the lifestyle of their hearers. We indeed are back, living, I believe, in the dark ages. Don't let anyone fool you. Don't let anyone tell you that we're living in enlightened days. Don't let anyone tell you that we're living with more knowledge of the truth. I want to tell you this morning, I believe we're back in the day where the gospel is clouded and darkened by men in my position today. And so the question that was asked, how, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved, is still a question that needs to be asked today. Lord, how many how many are going to get into your kingdom? How many are going to be saved? That question still needs to be asked today. How did Jesus answer it? Well, here is Jesus' answer. He says this Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. That's how you answer the question. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Now, a lot of versions, King James and the New Living Translation and, and different versions use different words for this verse. They say things like, make every effort to enter through the Kingdom of God, the NIV version. The King James use the word strive to enter. Another version will say, Work hard to enter. Another version will say, Do all you can to enter. Another version will turn around and say this Do your best to enter. Another version will say this Exert every effort to enter into. The kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is this. Getting into the kingdom of God. Is not easy. Some people think it's a walk in a park. Say a prayer. Put my hand up. Say I do. And I'm in the kingdom of God. But according to Jesus. He says that you must make every effort. According to Jesus, he turned around that you must strive to enter in. That you must exert effort to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? I tell you why. Because the door to enter the kingdom of God is narrow. Listen to what Christ says somewhere else. He says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Do you see this narrow door? It's narrow because You can't take anything with you. That's why it's narrow. You can't take anything with you into the kingdom of God. To my embarrassment, and I say this to my shame really, I was on a flight to France with Kim and our three children. And it was our anniversary when we got to France, and so I decided to you know, buy a few surprises for Kim um, while we got there to, um, to France. And so as we um, came to um, the, um, the customs with the check your bags, you know, I put all my stuff in Joseph's bag. Uh, not in mine, but you know, my bag was too full, but I put it all in Joseph's bag. So as Joseph's bag went through, they stopped us. To my shame, they brought out some of the gifts that I bought Kim. Some perfume. They threw it in the bin. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> I bought her a nice little cake slicing set, because I know she likes making They threw that in the bin. I bought some fragrance for a room. It had liquid in it as well. And they threw that in the bin. And then my son Benjamin looked at me, and he shook his head. I said, Dad, I can't take you anywhere, can I? <laughs> These custom guys were ruthless. I couldn't go through without things being left behind. And some people love the broad road, you know. They love the broad road. They love the broad road because they can live as they please. There's no guidelines. There's no directives. They can do what they want. Act how they want. Do what they please. And they love the broad road. And many are on it. But Jesus said the problem with that road is that it leads to destruction. It leads to hell. That's the problem with that road, says Jesus. But the door is narrow. That leads to eternal life. And you can't take anything. With you. Into the kingdom of God. Certain things that you used to do. You can't do anymore. Certain habits you used to have. You can't have anymore. Certain sins that you used to hold on tight to. And tuck them under your pillow. and, and, And hold them at night. You cannot have them anymore. Certain things. To be left outside. Before you can enter into the narrow way. Jesus when he was preaching. Turned around and he said this. Remember. Lot's wife. You see. Lot's wife, she was leaving a city of destruction. She was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. She was leaving the place where God said, I'm going to destroy this city. And she was leaving. But as she was leaving, her heart was still clinging on to the sin that was in Sodom. Her heart was still clinging on to the old life. She didn't want to leave the old things behind? And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, because she turned back. And was condemned herself. Jesus was saying that to his disciples. To those who were following him. Remember Lot's wife. A young man, a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he wanted to come into God's kingdom. And Jesus said to him, you know, well you've got to change your life. And we read these words, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's the problem. You know, I'm so glad that we live in this area. It's wonderful to live in Great Britain. It's wonderful to live in an area that's so affluent. That we live here in Loughton and the surrounding areas. It's wonderful to live in an area like this. Praise God that we don't live in Beirut, we don't live in a war torn country, or we don't live in a third world country. Praise God that we live in a country like this. Praise God for that. But while we live in a world that's affluent, so many people want to chase after the affluence. So many people want to chase after the money, the pound notes. So many people are keyed and clued in to the finance. And look what the Bible says. It says this. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. The door is narrow, my dear friends. It's narrow because you've got to leave stuff that our society says is important. You've got to leave stuff that our society said you must have. You've got to leave them behind and you've got to make your own way through into Christ. It's narrow so therefore you've got to strive to enter. Putting down things that used to be valuable to you. Putting down things that used to be first in your life. Suddenly these things become not so important because Christ has taken the higher seat in your life. And because he's taken the higher seat, you're striving to enter through. And you're putting down some of the things that you used to think were important. Amen? But not only was it was not a serious question, but Jesus also speaks about a serious way. You see, the narrow way also points to the cross. One thing that we are going to look at when we come to the Passover next week. When we come to the Easter story next week. One thing you're going to see there is that Jesus speaks about going to the cross on his own. Look what he says. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. But Peter insisted emphatically... Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. But what happened? Then everyone deserted him and fled. When Jesus went to the cross, my dear friends, see him in your, in your mind's eye. When he went to the trial, he was on his Own, there was no one with him. When he was mocked and being spat upon and being ridiculed, he was on his own. When they took a crown of thorns and placed it on his head and took a staff and beat him on the head with a staff, he was on his own. When they stretched him out on the cross. Making nails and a hammer and nailed them into his flesh. He was on his own. The truth of the matter is, Christ died for sin on his own. That means. When you come to Christ, you have to come on your own. Salvation is an individual thing. You cannot come to Christ. You cannot do the work for your husband. You cannot do the work for your wife. You cannot get your children into the kingdom of God. You might be able to get them into a school, but you cannot get them into the kingdom of God. They have to make their own decision. They have to make their way to Christ on their own. This is a failing, really, of some Catholic church, of the whole Catholic church, really. One of the failings, they insist that if you're born into a Catholic family, you're automatically a member of the church of God. Just because you're born into a Catholic family. But we all know that a child, when it is born, has to come into the world on its own. Whether it's a triplet or part of five or six children, babies. Every child must be born on their own. And come into the world on their own. And Jesus says, you must be born again. Not your family not your church, oh I've got to go to this church I must be saved, no, you have to come to Christ by yourself when um, my family, we used to go rambling in the countryside and as we go rambling in the countryside we should come to um, a gate and it's called a kissing gate Uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, you don't have to kiss your wife at that gate but you can if you want to but it's called a kissing gate and what happens is you come to this gate and you have to push it to one way and squeeze your body in and shut the gate on the other side and then you're able to carry on it only emits one person at a time, it's called the kissing gate strange word but that's what it's called as I was thinking about that, as I prepared this message, this verse came into my mind from Psalms. It says, kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Kiss the son. Yes, he was crucified, but he's still the son of God. Yes, he was beaten and mocked. Yes, but he was still the son of God. He was spat upon and cursed. But yes, he was still the son of God. And therefore he needs to be honoured and revered and respected and held in high esteem. Kiss the son, says the psalmist. Respect him, honour him. But you must do the kissing. You must draw near to him. You must lift him up. No point in someone else doing the kissing for you. No put someone else doing a respect for you. You have to be the one to bow down and say, Lord, I love you as my saviour. You've done so much for me. You gave your life for me. I don't deserve it. I'm such a vile sinner. But oh God, I thank you. And by your words, you bow before him and you kiss him and honour him and extol him. Why? Because he is the one who went to the cross on his own. So that you can have a personal relationship with him. Well, the serious question. It was a serious way. And finally, as I close, a serious time. Look what the verse says again. It says this. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Many, many will try to enter but will not be able to. The reason why is because they were trying too late. You see, they've heard about the narrow way. They've Spoken about the narrow way. They talk to others and others have talked to them about the narrow way. How do we know that they know about the narrow way? How do we know this? Well, the Bible turns around and says this. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. In other words, you know, Jesus, we were, we, were, we were with you. We were in church. You know, we... We had the bread and the wine, it was being served on the table, or, 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 or we sat down in the street, or, or in, a, in, in a place where he, where he was teaching, and we heard about the things of God. I mean, you don't eat or drink with people you don't know, surely. I was um, told, I was speaking to Grant on the phone, and he said, you know, me and Phil went into Costa Coffee or Starbucks, and when we went in there, we saw Jeff Cunningham. And he said, "Come and sit down." And they sat down and drank coffee and eat cake. That's what they men do in the middle of the week. You don't know it. They don't work, but they sit down and they drink cake and coffee. And you normally do that with friends. Sit down and eat and drink together. And these people are coming to the door of the narrow way. And they're knocking on the door. And they're saying, but hold on. Why is the door shut? We, we've we been with you. We've been in church. We, we've been teaching. Hearing your teaching. And, and, and we've been listening to the narrow way. How come we're outside the door? The problem was, even though they attended meetings, they really made no effort to come to Christ. They didn't exert any energy, they didn't strive. And so it was too late. Let's turn back to the cross again. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, something wonderful happened. When Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross and he cried out, it is finished. Something marvellous took place. What happened? Let's look at it together, shall we? It says this, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, this curtain that was in the temple was torn in two, symbolizing that the way to God was now open. You don't need a man, a priest, to take you in there. You don't need somebody to come and represent you in there. No, the way was opened up because Christ died on the cross and said, It is finished. I've accomplished it. I've died for sinners. And now men and women can come to God themselves the way is open praise be to God and we rejoice in that and I'm going to rejoice in that on Wednesday I'm going to rejoice in that on on, on Friday I'm going to rejoice in that on Sunday because the way has been opened but this parable teaches me something else it teaches me that that way one day is going to be closed Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door. This very way that has been opened by the death of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning that one day, one day, I don't know when that day is going to be. It's not now, praise be to God. But one day that door is going to be closed. When Christ opened the way. That you can come into the presence of God. He said that's wonderful. Come now. The door's open. But one day. He said. The owner is going to get up. And he's going to close that door. That's why Jesus said many. Indeed many will try the last time. You will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir open the door for us. But he will say. I don't know you. Or where you come from many I don't know how many we have in this house this morning but Jesus said it will be those who thought they were heading for the kingdom of God there will be those who thought they were in the kingdom already but actually they were only outside the door They weren't actually inside, but they were standing outside saying, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to praise God? Isn't it wonderful to be amongst Christians? Isn't it wonderful? But really, they did not know Jesus for themselves. they have been outside the door. That's why we find them knocking. They only turned up casually to church. Casually sang a few songs. The enthusiasm of a wife. The enthusiasm of a husband, the enthusiasm of children, carry them along, but they themselves did not know it—the reality for themselves. It's like having a gym membership and never actually going to the gym. I don't know how many of you got a gym membership. Jesus said, "Strive to enter. Work hard. Do not sleep." Do not slumber. Do not let anyone else do the work for you. You do the work yourself. Strive to enter through the narrow ways. Of Jesus. But I tell you, many will try to enter through, but will not. And the reason why they will not, going to go up too late and the door is closed. That's why. When I die on the cross, says Jesus, I opened that door for all men and women. But you're not coming in. And you will hear these words. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. The reason why he calls them evildoers is because the greatest evil is not what you might consider to be the greatest evil. The greatest evil is what happened around the cross. What happened around the cross. Let me tell you, let me show you. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Crucify him, take him away. The greatest sin that man can do is to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want him, take him away. We don't want that man to rule. I can rule, or my wife can rule, or my children can rule. But I don't want him to rule my life. Take him away. That is the greatest evil a man or a woman can do. Rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And once a man and woman rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest evil, he will stand there and say to you, yes, you were very good and you paid your taxes and you were the good mother and you're the good father and you looked after your children, but do you know what? You're an evildoer. Why? Because you rejected my son. The final words of Jesus say this, There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south. And will take their place at a feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this. I'm going to the cross my dear friend. Easter is coming. The Passover is coming. And I'm going to the cross to up a way so that men and women can come from the east can come from the west or the north and the south and they will come and sit down with my father in his kingdom I'm opening a way and my prayer is that you and I will be in that way now but there will be some I prayed none here this morning but Jesus said there will be some who ate with him Who drank with him? Who listened on a Sunday morning? And they will be standing there on that day. Sir, let me in. I've been in Golding's church all my life. I've listened to the pastor preach. I signed a baptism card. Surely I must be in. But the problem is she was holding on to your sin. And you didn't put it down. You didn't strive to enter. You didn't make every effort to make sure that you are following Christ. You didn't give him the respect in your life. You didn't put down the money and the finance and the, and the, and the trappings of this world. They're not evil in themselves. But you love them more than you loved him. And so therefore because of that, you're outside the door. My dear friends, this week is a wonderful week. The reason why I'm preaching like that, because Christ's death was a painful, agonizing death. In fact, he said himself, my soul is overwhelmed with a point of sorrow. That's why I'm preaching like that, because Christ is going to have his church. Christ's death is not going to be in vain. He's going to have men and women who are loving him and kissing him and saying, thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on that cross. That's why I'm preaching like that this morning. You may think, oh, I didn't come to be scared. I hope you're not frightened in that way, but I hope you are concerned this morning. Concerned that you're not just outside the door, but that you made that effort, that striving to be in a narrow way and I pray this in Jesus name Amen. Let's pray